0: Guys, get into this interview. Just uh, let you guys know. Once again, recording the Instagram Live through the soundboard, and it was picking up some feedback or something on Instagram Live, and I had to disconnect the headphones and mic, so I didn't get the entire interview. Um, it sounded really rough on the Instagram side. What got recorded on the board sounded great, but I did not get all of it. So, uh, hopefully you enjoy what we do have. Thanks to A Cherubis Motorsports and Cherby's USA. Follow them both on Instagram. Um, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to the great Ricky Brabeck. What's up, Ricky? What's going on? Not much, man. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, when I was trying to sign into the Acherby's uh, Instagram page, it wasn't giving me the option to go live. It was weird. I had to log out of my personal account, and it, then it worked. So, man, like uh, I talked to you just for a second yesterday, but it's really great getting a chance to meet you. Um, you're, you're a badass, dude.
1: Nah, I don't know about that. Just uh, riding dirt bikes having fun.
0: Well, that's really what it's all about, man. But uh, you, you kind of become quite the legend recently. I mean, look, you're a high-des guy. Uh, you've won a number of championships. But, I mean, your dream came true this year, dude. Dakar.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we put a lot of work in, uh, just testing and training over the summer. And uh, obviously, like, just riding from the house every day with the boys and uh, just really staying focused the last couple of years and trying to, uh, make their dream a reality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's go back. I know you've done a lot of podcasts in the last few months or last year, at least, um, talk about, you know, your younger years, born in San Bernardino and you moved to Hesperia. Just talk about getting into riding with your dad, BMX, uh, you know, your history a little bit.
1: Yeah. Being born and raised in San Bernardino, um, you know, I used to live down in Riverside and, uh, I grew up riding bicycles, playing sports, and uh, riding was always kind of just like something I think we did on the weekend. We went camping, and we kind of lived like the weekend warrior lifestyle. Yeah. And um, once we moved to where I live now in the high desert, uh, you know, riding became more accessible and, you know, a little bit easier to do, I guess, in the everyday life. So it it adapted to me really well, and I just kind of – you know, I tried my best to to make it happen. And uh, following all off-road, um, you know, movies and races and YouTube channels, uh, you know, it's what I wanted to do. So um, at the age of like 16, I really wanted to be like a champion and race off-road. So ever since then, I just focused and, you know, worked really hard for it.
0: Yeah, so, like, I know you were into BMX in the beginning, and I talked to Max Volin a couple weeks ago, and that's kind of his thing. You know, he started out in BMX, and hell, you go back to McGrath with Supercross. He started in BMX. W- was there something that you could translate from BMX and and get it, it to motorcycles that helped you at all? Any techniques? I mean, it's different, but at the same time, some things translate.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it, it translates for sure. Um, technique, uh, movement, just, like, the bike skills. Um, it's all, it's all two wheel based. So being on a two wheels on a bicycle or two wheels on a dirt bike, it's, you know, you have the same movements. Um, Obviously on a bicycle, you want to stay a little bit more back so you don't go over the handlebars, but um, it's all the same. Downhill mountain biking is really similar to riding a motorcycle. So in the summertime when the downhill mountain bike trails are open, that's kind of where I go to train.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I watched a video recently of you in Utah with um, – I actually forgot the guy's name. I, I don't know a lot about mountain biking, but you guys were out there doing some pretty gnarly stuff. Uh, Darren Bearcloth, is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was – just watching that video, like I ride dirt bikes, I ride moto, but I'm not great or anything. I'm not very good, really. I just ride. Um, don't have anywhere near the technique or abilities you guys do, but watching you ride along those ridges – I was like, dude, I would die, man. And, like, he's blasting down it on a mountain bike. You're doing it on a motorcycle and these gaps. I'm like, no way. Not a chance.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was Caneville, uh, Utah. That was actually pretty amazing out there, and it was really good to meet Darren. Uh, you know, he's a rampage rider. So yeah, those guys, matter. respect that they're still alive. You know, they freaking, <laughs>
0: they <laughs> expand yes. it. They do, man. I mean, just no different really what you do on a motorcycle. I wouldn't do half the stuff you do on a motorcycle either. Hey, before we go any farther, I've seen some people mention this and um, it's your birthday today. So I want to tell you happy birthday. we have got some viewers saying happy birthday. Um, Man, you're, uh, you're, you're what, 29 young?
1: 29 old.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude. I am like your buddy Kiefer. I'm 40 about to be 45. We're we're old. The body hurts now. Everything just it's all we're on the downhill side of things. You're still climbing.
1: Yeah. Feeling old lately. <laughs>
0: yeah, I hear you. Um all right. So you moved to Hesperia, um, which for those that are, you know, international and guys that don't know, that's the high des and SoCal. Um you know, out near Barstow, San Bernardino area. Really, I lived in Barstow when I was about 15, 14, 15 for a little bit. Um, my dad was at Fort Irwin. And like you've mentioned before, you go out your back door and there's just desert. Like there's almost endless riding. Um, what was that like when you first moved there? Like was it just a an oasis of, you know, riding for you, Nirvana?
1: Well, I, I mean, when I first moved here, I was kind of scared to go – go riding very far from home you know i didn't really know but now i mean like you say i mean we have i can i can ride all the way to vegas yeah and open desert so um for me it's it's pretty unique to just be able to ride wherever i want from my house and then ride home and just be at home without having to truck or trailer or bike yep. anywhere
0: yeah yeah that, so, that makes it easy I mean, that's one, yeah. of, that's one of the most difficult things for us guys in moto, especially I'm in East Texas. You know, you got to load up. You got to travel an hour or two to find your spot if it's even open. And, yeah, yeah. you just go out. And you're, it's it's pretty rad, man. I, I really miss it. I got to do a uh, – one of the first races I ever did was a Barstow Grand Prix. And I just did, like, the team race with my dad where we each did a loop or two. I think two loops each. But that's just dude, I I remember going along what I thought was fast, and then all of a sudden there was, like, a ravine. And the, the the world just dropped out from under me, and, you know, I'm laying in the dirt, you know. And, uh, man, you got I, just some of the videos I watch of you are unreal. I don't see how you guys see. Uh, I, I watched one of your hair scrambles from, like, back in 15 or something. And the dude in front of you, like, I couldn't see him because of the dust, and you're, like, pinned. I just don't get it.
1: Yeah, well, um, that's just, like, it's Lucerne, so that's, like, my backyard, so I really know that desert really well. yeah. And I kind of know where it's safe and where it's not safe, but okay. um so, sometimes you just have to take the risk and sometimes it bites you and sometimes sometimes it's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean I guess that's what it's all about, you know. And I also I want to thank a Cherubis for putting this thing on, at a Cherubis Motorsports, and of course at a Cherubis USA. Uh, they're big supporters of you, they're supporters of my show, the Moto X Pod show. So I appreciate them allowing me to do this. Um uh, two thousand seven was your first off-road race. What type of race was that? Was it just a desert race? Was it like a hair scramble? I know there's different styles. There's works. There's a lot of different uh, organizations. What was it?
1: It was a uh, it was a hound like a local hound out in Ridgecrest. Okay, in January. Uh, yeah, that was like my first legit off road race that I can remember. Um, and then before that, I did like the Atalanta Grand Prix like twice or something. Yeah, but, yeah. The first desert race with ribbon. <laughs> 2007.
0: Okay, Atlanta, man Yeah, that was my first Sunrise was my first ever motocross race So, wait, yeah, yeah but I, You know, it's funny Your buddies with Chris Kiefer He, he saw a picture of me when I lived there I, I had posted one time And, like, he was probably at the track that day And, I mean, he was just would have been a kid on, like, 80s back then But, um, man, Kiefer The, the high-desk people just seem like they're good people I mean, I know Gary Sutherland Some of your competition, you know, when you were doing hair scrambles And then Kiefer, man, just good people out there
1: yeah, yeah, no, I mean we're. I think uh, everyone up here is pretty true. Yeah, um, you know, we're not. We're not 100 motocrossers, but uh, you know we're. I don't know. It's not that big up here where we live. So I think we all kind of get like the same feelings for everybody, and you know we want to look out for everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Chris talks a lot about, you know, making these rut tracks out in the desert and, like, making a ride at the washing machine, you know, a left at the old burn-up car, maybe another ride at the at the meth head that's laying in the ditch. I mean, yeah. how, how accurate is that for Hesperia?
1: Uh, that's actually really accurate. <laughs> meth, meth heads and the, the washing machine tub is pretty accurate. Okay. All
0: right. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, talk about high school and... Uh, just family life, you know, as you're a teenager growing up, getting into the sport, I have to imagine your, your dad, your mom, your family's pretty supportive, but what was that, you know, what was the family life like and what was school like for you?
1: Dude, I hate school.
0: Okay. That's typical uh, of guys.
1: Yeah, no, I don't really like school. Um Never have. I don't know if I ever will. Uh um, you no, know, I just, I feel like there's a lot more to be done than go to school all day, but um, everyone has their own. Opinion about that, and um, you know, when I was in school, I wasn't the best at it, didn't really ever want to be there, but you know, I still went and did my best and graduated high school, which is cool, yeah. Uh, but oh, uh, yeah, my parents always supported me, uh, helped me out. Uh, you know, I don't know, my mom doesn't like what I do, I don't think. Uh, my dad, uh, I'm sure he thinks it's cool, but uh, now that we're older now and you know, 29. I think we just kind of, whether they tell us it's a good idea or not, I think we're just going to do it.
0: Yeah, like I said, I'm 45, and my mom still has issues. You know, every every time I come up with an injury or something, she's like, you're too old. I wish you wouldn't do it. And, but, and then I always say, I, I'm done. I'm done. I quit. I'm too old for this. And then a week later, I'm back trying to get the bike ready. They just didn't. Yeah. You know, mom, that's just moms. You know, they're they're worried about their baby boys. Um, yeah, yeah. So when you first started taking this thing serious, um, I, I know from listening to Kiefer's pod and you did uh, Whiskey Throttle pod. You know, you you were a bigger guy, man. You were close to three hundred pounds at one time in racing, and you decided at at some point, and I think it was when you uh, after watching Dust of Glory, if I don't re- if I remember the the documentary on Baja, uh, where you decided to start getting fit and taking taking things serious. Talk about that transition, like diet and really having to. Man up, man, and, you know, and and make an effort and put your focus on being ready.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I was definitely a big boy. Like, throughout my whole life, I was kind of big. I still am big. Uh, But, no, I just got really lazy for a couple years and just started to not really care about my health. And, yeah, I got really big, and then I decided one day I didn't want to work the rest of my life. So um, I started to diet, uh, saved money, bought a mountain bike, And they just kind of took racing a little bit more serious, like my diet more serious. And uh, still to this day, I try to do the same thing. And, you know, I really try to stay on the diet as much as I can. But, um, you know, now in quarantine, it's kind of hard. You know, there's not much to do. So um, when you're kind of forced to be healthy, it's a little bit easier. But then when you want to go out on weekends with all your friends, it's a little bit harder. Um. But, yeah, I really tried to diet and take care of myself and uh, focus on racing motorcycles and focus less on work. And, it, I mean, it's paid off, uh, a lot of hard work. And
0: uh, well, yeah, you
1: know, we got to where we're at today, so <laughs> we're hoping not to lose it, so we're going to keep going for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're one of the guys, few guys that's lucky enough to have you know reached the highest mark of your goals, really. You know, Dakar is – One of the obvious, maybe the most physically demanding, gnarliest, you know, motorsports race there is. Uh, There's a couple that are probably in different forms of sports that are really gnarly like that. And you went out and became the first American to win it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But it's, it's, you have to really be able to step back and say, and realize what you've done. I mean, that's not very many people have done that, you know, period, let alone somebody coming from, you know, the United States.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's definitely a dream come true, and a lot of uh, hatred moments of training. <laughs> yeah, uh, spending time out there with Jimmy Lewis and Trump. Uh, you know, some, some of those days weren't fun; they weren't the best. Uh, you know, we didn't have you know we didn't have the best of times. You know, when it's a hundred trying to do a road trip, and like the inside of your body's melting, and then you're lost. And then you realize Jimmy's trying to play a trick on you. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot. A lot of like staying calm and uh, everything that's like everything that we hate doing before the actual like big event is all worthwhile. So um, now that I realize that I'm ready for, for more and, you know, I'm ready to go out to the desert and. Hey, Jimmy, some
0: more. Yeah, definitely. Um, All right, so I mentioned Dust of Glory. That's something you've referenced a bunch. You you watch as a kid, you know, watching it over and over and over. For those international that may – or the people that don't know, it's a great documentary on Baja. uh, and focuses on all different classes of Baja. It's it's amazing. I mean, honestly, it's – again, it's – I watch it and go, I can't believe you guys do this. Um, Was that really – Was that one of the key moments of watching that thing and being like, I want to be great at off-road? Was that documentary what led up to it? Um, And also, I know, you know, Kurt Caselli passing away, that was another moment where you kind of changed things, you changed your life a little bit, I think. Um, Talk about those two things.
1: Yeah, Death to Glory, I think, to this day, it's still, like, one of the greatest movies there is, like, one of the greatest documentaries um, describing, like, how off-road it is and how, like, everyone is in the sport. Uh, I definitely watched a movie every day for like a month when it came out. And, um, back then I like, I thought it would be so cool. Like to be on the the JCR, you know, Johnny Campbell. And, you know, I was working really hard to try for that. And then like, I was like, man, there's no way it's going to, it's going to happen. You know, how, how, how would this even happen? I'm just a kid, a fat chubby kid. (laughs) And, uh. I thought it would be cool, like ride with like Kendall and like Quinn, be on the same team. And I don't know. I I was trying to go for that, and then like I didn't see any. Uh, I didn't see anything like happening, and I was like, "Well, shit, what what am I gonna do?" And then um, yeah, one, I think 2015, Donnie called me, and ever since then we kind of linked up, and you know became really good friends, and. Now today, I we get along great and ride together, and you know it all paid off. It's just like the the thing I was saying with like hating what you're doing until like the actual event, and uh, yeah, it, I mean 2016 until now, and hopefully for many more years. Um, I think it was all inspired by glory because you know, John was a big part of that.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. You talk about hating what you do, and until you get to the event. Again, I think that's one of those things that like that's a quality of a champion because somebody like myself, uh, I don't want to go out and do the training. You know, I never really did. I I, I want to eat the ice cream at night, and like you, you can't really be successful at the peak level of a of a sport like you are without basically torturing yourself almost. And I've heard you mention like. You don't want to go, like, hey, you like if you're not doing something to better yourself, you feel like you're, uh you know, basically, like, let yourself down. You're not doing everything you need to do. Like, you don't want to go necessarily go out and party or go watch a movie or watch TV. You want to be training all the time, and that's very opposite of somebody like myself who I wish I was going fast was at the track, and I'm at the track, and I'm mad that I'm not going faster and not in good shape. But when I get home, I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to eat that ice cream.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean – there's times where you can, where you can do that and definitely eat ice cream. But, uh, yeah, like you said, if you're not training, uh, for me, at least I just feel like if I'm not doing something to help myself. At that time, I feel like I'm going backwards.
0: Yeah. And
1: obviously there's, there's times where like your body needs rest, but I, I strongly, uh, believe in like active recovery. Like even if it's like a 45 minute, super easy bicycle ride, um, but I I believe that real rest is just sitting down and watching TV all day. I believe I believe recovery more so than uh, just sitting there.
0: Well, again, that's that's why you're a Dakar champion. Along with uh, 2013, so you won the Baja 1000, correct? In 13, 14, 14. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. And then you did uh, Vegas, Torino, San Felipe 250. You also did the Baja 500. Did you win that one as well? Yeah. God. What was that year like? And then after that, I know off-road is not like. – I'm about to ask a question that I kind of know the answer to, but did the the OEMs and the factory off-road teams come calling? Like, oh, my God, we got to sign this guy?
1: No. um, (laughs) That's kind of what kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah. Um, You know, in 2014, I don't know. I thought I was on top of the world. Like, I was like – we just want everything that we can, you know, in off-road racing. And uh, you know, to get no no more support than I was in 2014, you know, like to get no more support in 15 than I was in 14, it was kind of like, wow. You know, this industry is definitely going downhill. So what else can I do? You know, what, what, what you know, how, where are we going to go from here? We're already on top of the world, you know, and like, Rally wasn't even in like the picture. Like I was like I watched it every year uh-huh. on, on TV, but I had no idea how to even get to a rally race or how to even train for rally or how to I didn't know anything about rally. I it like on every year and I was watching it every year like the Dakar. And uh then twenty fifteen that's when Quinn called me, when Cody called me and asked if I was interested in like this rally thing. And I was like, dude, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm interested, but right, dude, where do I go? And he kind of, he kind of took me under his wing for a little bit and, and showed me like the basics and helped me get to my first rally race. So that was really cool. And then, um, since then I just kind of started chasing that dream, you know, and then, uh, I was chasing the rally dream and like still racing here at home, but um, you know, last two years I kinda just focused mainly on rally, which led to the success of the Dakar. And you know, to to win the Dakar, I believe that your success and that needs to be one hundred percent focused all the time on rally and training, You know, every day in and out about rally.
0: Right. Yeah, so I know you're a little short on time today, so there's a bunch of things I'd like to get to, but before we move on to to, to getting to the Dakar stuff, um, why do you think off-road racing is like that? Because, again, I don't follow off-road racing a lot. Um, I need to start following it more. I mean, I really, it's badass, and I, I want to do some races. But even, like, getting to know Gary Sutherland a couple years ago, he wins the and Hound Championship in 17 and the Works Championship, and then he loses his ride. Basically, there's not room for them. And then you don't get a ride after all these championships. Is it funding? What is it within the off-road community where the guys that are winning maybe don't get the rides? Is there not that many rides? What's a, What's up with that?
1: I think, um, honestly, like, I think manufacturers don't see – they don't see anything in off-road, um, you know, just because, like, when you go to an off-road race – like when, when Johnny and I go to an off road race. We go in just like a, a box van and a bike or a box van and a bike.
0: <laughs> no semi? No semi. No millions of dollars?
1: No, yeah. So it's like I think I think it's like we the off road racers are more into the riding than you know I would say like motocross cross guys because Yeah. Those guys, yeah, I mean, they're on TV every weekend. They have semis. They make billions. Uh, but if you look at the the, the average consumer of motorcycles, like they buy and ride trails. Yes. Like there's more there's more weekend warriors out there than motocross racers. You know, there's families like to camp you know, in the wintertime. It's like it's like a thing again. Like for me, I just we camp all year round, so. It is what it is, but I think that the the manufacturers don't see that side of it. They see like the TV shows, and they see like the the fifty thousand spectators in the stands walking around the pitch to show up, like to look at their semis. But it's, I mean, in my perspective, I think off road racing is gnarly. I don't know if the manufacturers like to support it, but that uh, yeah, there's more. Weekend warrior guys that that buy the bikes to go around on the weekends, which obviously comes from off road. So yeah, I don't know why it, it's hard. I don't know. I, I don't know why the the budget goes to motocross, supercross. I
0: don't yeah, know. and you're probably right. It probably is the glitz and the glam and the TV package, and they get the eyes on TV on the bikes, but. I have heard from talking to Gary and some other friends that do works and stuff. And you go to like a works race, there could be a, what a thousand plus entries, I think, at some of these races. And you yeah. go to like a local motocross race, and you might have a, you know a couple hundred. Um, so yeah, I think you're right about that. It's it, it's it's kind of disappointing um, when I see how hard you guys work and and what you guys do that you're not getting the the respect maybe and the and the the, the money really that you guys deserve because you're definitely putting your lives on the line, especially doing what you're doing. Well, let's talk about, and nobody, uh, oh, go ahead.
1: And nobody sees, like, nobody can watch, like, an off-road race the entire, like, distance, I guess. Like, is right. what I'm trying to say. Like, we almost, we almost crashed, <laughs> I would say, like, an average 10 times. Like, there's, yeah. like, in one off-road race, that's, in one hair hound, you, I swear, you get, like, 10 oh-shit moments. Yeah. Oh, I and can see like, that from watching no your nobody, videos. No one sees them, and no one believes you. Like you could tell someone that you, you came up on something in the dust, and you were fourth gear, you know, on the gas, and you couldn't slow down, and you were sideways, your feet were flying off, you hit your face on the front fender. No one will ever believe that story, and no one ever thought but yourself. Yeah, so it's like no, like I don't know. I I I've taken a couple people trail riding and. I've heard like the same thing a couple times, like, oh, I didn't know that this is what off-road is about. I just thought off-road was like Baja, like more or less fast and straight, but it, there's so much to off-road, like, you know, if you go riding with Cody Webb, he's going he's gonna to kick your ass, you know? You're not going to go fast, but you're going to do some gnarly enduro cross stuff, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. So it, there's so much to off-road. It, there's Off-road has so much to offer, more than like a motocross track that, you know, you do the same lap every every single, every two minutes, you know?
0: Yeah, I can't disagree with you. Like I said, I ride moto, but I, you're right. I've been saying for a long time that there's some off-road uh, organizations out here where I live in East Texas, like cross-country type stuff, and I kind of want to get into that just because I think it'd be a lot of fun and something different. Um, all right, we need to talk about the car a little bit before we uh, end this thing. So um 2016 was your first Dakar uh and you got ninth. Um then 17 you uh, you raced again. So the first three race first three Dakars you did not finish, correct? No,
1: the the first Dakar I finished and then the rest I didn't finish until okay. 2020. Yeah.
0: yeah, first you got ninth and the next three. Or um I know in 19 you had high expectations going in. Um, doing really good. A few things happen. Uh, you crash out. The bike breaks. That's what the bike breaks. Destroys you, yes, basically. Sure. I mean, it, it kills you, right? I mean, it blew up. You're. you're I've heard your story. Throwing the helmet, uh, waiting on the helicopter. A lot of people have heard that story. But how How do you get past that, you know, in the coming months or the, the, the post-months? I don't know. It's really <laughs> hard.
1: Um, you know, it's definitely... Uh, pretty difficult to to get back on the on the bike and try to have confidence. Uh, you know, I struggled all year with that, and uh, you know, even in this car, I was struggling as, as well. You know, trying to get get over the hump and and get the confidence back. So every day, I got stuff like, Please, "Let's finish the day. Let's have no issues with the, with the motorcycle." And, you know, but this last year, we did a lot of testing. You know, it's obviously paid off. You know, we did a lot of durability testing, a lot of training, and, uh, you know, it's paid off. So I'm really excited. And hopefully uh, next year, you know, we have just as much uh, good strategy and good luck. And, you know, hopefully this year we can get back to training for college.
0: Well, yeah, I guess I'm glad. I was going to ask you if you decided if you were going to do it again next year. And I want to ask you, so winning the car, I keep saying duck, it's Dakar. How do you say it properly?
1: Yeah,
0: Dakar. Dakar. Okay, winning Dakar this year, did that ease the losses in the past? And the and the you know, did that kind of you like all right? This made it that much sweeter.
1: Uh, it made the win way better. You know, we, um, you no, know, we worked really hard for it. And now that, now that I I know, like, the recipe to success in the Dakar, um, you know, I'm hoping we can pick up training kind of where we left off. And um, hopefully there's, there's more wins to come.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I think there probably is. Um, so I, I want to kind of pass on some of these. I have a lot of things to talk about. I know you're limited on time. If you guys that are watching this have anything, um, if you want to know more of the details, go check out Kiefer Inc. Testings Pod. Uh, you can find that on iTunes. And, and man, they did a lot of good talks, a lot of good stories with Chris Kiefer. Um, and then there's another one you guys did with Whiskey Throttle, Radio, Whiskey Throttle show. Go check that out. A lot of good stories there. Um, I do have Gary Sutherland sent me a text and said uh, to kind of a funny story, I guess. I think you were in Utah or somewhere. And this, I think this is actually the same race where you broke your neck. And he, I guess the night before, he saw you in a restaurant or something, and was like, oh, my God, it's it's Ricky Brabeck. And made like just kind of messing with you a little bit and getting the locals. Do yeah. you remember that story? Yeah. And then I think he pounded a beer, he said, and, and said, hope you enjoy your water.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very typical Gary. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said he just likes trying to get in your head a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. And I have a listener question here um so compare compared to moto what's your thoughts on a stage versus moto and do you always play it safe or do you have days where you're feeling good and just want to put a hurting on people
1: well moto moto's gnarly like moto motocross is way high intensity it's uh it's you know it's rubbing elbows and it's like definitely bumping people where in a stage, it's like low intensity. You're not you're not going to bump elbows with anybody. You're kind of out there by yourself and focusing by yourself. Um, you know, some days, if you have enough information on the on the route, you know, if you're know talking to Sandy or you know it's not going to be Sunday, or Sunday, uh, uh, Dusty. Um, if you know it's not going to be Dusty, then yeah, you can put a hurting on people. And you also have to be careful because... Um, the next day, if you have to open and it's going to be hard navigation, and you definitely lose all the time made up. So,
0: strategy and rally
1: is actually pretty, pretty tough, and you have to know what day to push and what day is not. Push. Um.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't. I don't know how you decide that, though. I guess you get it. Get out there, and it just depends on the the circumstances of the day right the track the the conditions of the course and how you're feeling and maybe if you got to make up time or not i would assume would be a factor too
1: yeah hey they're telling you to remove your headphones
0: yeah i don't know if that's mine or not um hang on let me all right let me try this hey uh so that's all of the interview that i got recorded because of the technical issues i was having something to do with my phone mic competing with my studio mic, I think, and it was causing a terrible noise on the Instagram side of things, and everybody could hear it. Uh, Obviously, it didn't pick any of that up, but that's all we got. So uh, hopefully you guys caught the rest of it on Instagram. Once again, thanks to A Motorsports for giving me the opportunity, and A USA, obviously. uh, Go visit those guys for all your plastic needs, and um, check out all the other stuff they have. They don't only sell plastic. They've got a badass motorcycle stand along with a number of other things, chain guides, um, lots of cool stuff. Check them out. Thanks, guys.